Booker Tov, everyone. Rashi uh, in the parsha of Korach uh, begins with a strange statement. It says, Parsha Zu, Yofen Idreshet, Medrash Rabbitun Chumba. There's one of the classic Midrashim to Torah is that of Rabbitan Chumba. And Rashi says this parsha uh, has uh, wonderful interpretations to it in the Medrash Rabbi Tanchum. So on the surface, uh, it's not the uh, habit of Rashi to comment upon the Medrash. And not only that, when you give a compliment, if I tell you, you know, today you look good, <laughs> I am implying that there are days that you don't look good. And you're never allowed to say that about uh, Torah. You're not allowed to say this is more important than that. This is more beneficial than that. We find, in fact, uh, that the Rambam says, Our custom, for instance, is to stand when the Balkore reads the uh, Aseret Advorim, the Ten Commandments. Or we stand for Oz Yashir. The Rambam says, if you want to stand, then you have to stand for the whole Kriya. Because uh, by standing for certain pieces, you're saying that they're more important or of greater benefit than other uh, sections of the Torah. Eh? Who gave you the permission to make that decision? So therefore, when Rashi says that Parsha Zu Yofa Nidreshes B'Medrash Rabbi Tanchuma, that this Parsha is beautifully interpreted in the Medrash Rabbi Tanchuma, so all the Meforshim are troubled. First of all, what is there in this parsha that's more than, for instance, in Parsha Gracious? Or in any parsha in the Torah? And secondly, what does he mean? Why, why does he put our attention to it? So this question is discussed in the Meforshim. There are no uh, throwaway comments in Rashi. Rashi said it, and he's teaching us something. So we'll get back to it, uh, I hope, before the end of this year, 
to see why perhaps this Parsha is uh, so special and chosen. In the Medrash Rabbitan Chuma, Rashi quotes from the Medrash the famous uh, incident by Korach. The Medrash says that uh, the, the women here play an important role, as usual, in the story. So, for instance, On Ben Peles, uh was saved because his wife said to him, don't be a fool. What difference does it make whether it's Korach or Moshe? You're, you're the same, uh, you know, you're the same taxi driver at the end, so what are you worried about? Why does she get mixed in? And she prevented him from going. I discussed this, this, uh, that medrash this week between Mincha and Marv. Korach also had a Rebetzin. This is Korach. So the medrash says uh, that uh, Korach came from the base medrash and his wife asked him what did Moshe say today? What was the subject matter? So that's the end of last week's Parsha, the Parsha of Tzitzit, Ptilt So he told her that the Moshe explained to us for a cornered garment requires fringes, Tzitzit, and uh, one of the uh, strings and the fringes has to be of tchelet, of this blue wool. And this tchelet uh, is the most spiritual of all of the strings, so to speak. Because I'll say tchelet domeliam, the tchelet is like the ocean, and the ocean's like the heaven, and the heaven's like the kisayakovod, God's throne, so to speak. So this little string is our connection that binds us to our Creator. So she said, what if you have a robe that is kulot trelet? The entire robe is made of trelet. Do you still need this little string? So he said, I don't know. uh, Moshe didn't explain that. And then uh, he discussed mezuzah with her. There's supposed to be a mezuzah on one's house. So that every Jew has, so to speak, Torah in the house. So she asked, what if he has a magnificent Torah library? It was a time when books were books. 
today, uh, less so. Do you still need a mezuzah? You can even say better. What, what if I have a sacred Torah in my house? Do I need a mezuzah? I got the whole Torah. So Korach said, uh, I don't know. I'm going to ask Moshe. So the next day in the base Medrash, this is the, the scenario that the Medrash portrays for us. He stood up and he asked Moshe. But now he asked him in a belligerent fashion. He didn't ask him... Uh, he asked him in a sarcastic fashion. I got a garment that is completely tailored. You mean to tell me I still need that blue string? I have a house full of books, full of Torah. I still need that parchment on the door. So, uh, the first thing we learn is there's there are, uh, there's asking and asking. There's asking in order to obtain knowledge. There's asking in order to make a point that the asker once made. So, for instance, I, I have... Uh, Every question, to the best of my knowledge, and I know everything, every question that the Bible critics have ever asked on the Psukim and the Torah has already been asked by Mephorsha. The greatest biblical critics were Chazal. But they asked from the basis of faith, from the basis, this is something that is true. How can I see the truth in it when I have, so to speak, this problem? How can I interpret it correctly? The Bible critics asked it from a different direction. The direction was that uh, the Torah was, so to speak, uh, created by committee, and that it, uh, you know, and has, it's not holy. And so they're asking for. So it can be the same question, but who is asking, why it's asked, and the way it's asked uh, determines the legitimacy of the question. So it's very possible that Mrs. Korach's questions are legitimate. Talis Shakua Tchelis, are you Chayim and Tchelis or not? It's a legitimate question. But that wasn't the way it was asked. It was asked in a mocking fashion. And if it's asked in a mocking fashion... 
So then it becomes a, uh, not a matter of knowledge or information, it becomes a matter of uh, trying to destroy faith. So what's the question? So one idea is, and this is a basic uh, question that we have throughout Torah, are there reasons for the mitzvot? Are there rational reasons? In other words, there are chukim, there are uh, mitzvot that the Torah itself tells us that you're never going to figure out that we're coming parsh. The parshat chukas. So that uh, that you're never going to understand. Okay, what about the other mitzvahs in the Torah that are not chukim? How do we deal with them? Do we want to understand them or not, or do we want to just say, you know, these are the orders? Ours is not to question why, ours is but to do and die. Now there are streams in Jewish tradition regarding this. The Rambam, for instance, especially in the Moranavuchim, in the Sadia as well, in the Amunus Videos, and the the morale and others are always of the tendency to try and attempt to give a rational explanation to mitzvahs. And the Ramam goes to great lengths. It's one of the most controversial uh, opinions of his as to how to deal with these things. So, for instance, uh, the laws of meat and milk, not to mix dairy foods and meat foods. Uh, Torah mentions it three times. You should not cook the goat in the milk of its mother. From that, five words... We have a whole section in Yeridea. People have two refrigerators. They have two stoves. We wait six hours. The whole... So, why did the Torah phrase it as lo sevashel gedi v'chalei the Torah should have phrased it, don't mix meat, don't eat it together, wait, you know, say the whole thing. Who cooks, who cooks lamb chops and its mother's milk? In our civilization, it's, it's almost unknown. So, but the Rambam says the reason it's written that way is because that was the method of Avodah of pagan worship in the days in ancient times. And he says all of the mitzvahs come to wean us away from Avodah That's the purpose of the mitzvahs. 
the mitzvah is to bring us to pure monotheism. That we shouldn't believe in all sorts of side things. So, for instance, in the ancient world, he says people felt that if you cooked the goat in its mother's milk and you ate from it, you know, then you wouldn't get corona. Now, since we don't know how people get corona, and we really don't have a handle on the matter, so naturally we're looking with nothing that I would tell you is outlandish, because we don't know. Wear masks, don't wear masks. Meet with people, don't meet with people. Take a shot, don't take a shot. Take four shots, maybe a fifth one. You don't know. And therefore, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci said that uh, the best way to prevent it is to wear a scarf in the summer. So people would wear scarves in the summer. So here, the Avodah was to cook the meat in the mother's milk. So that's why the Torah phrased it that way, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't go to the gimmicks. Everything is to prevent you from Avodah Zorah, all the mitzvahs. And therefore the mitzvah of tzitzit is also, Urizem also, Sartem is called mitzvah Hashem. Tzitzit is there to remind you of all mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are there to remind you of the fact that you're a creature of the created and that is your eternity. And that's what a person is supposed to, so to speak, have in mind. Now the problem with giving rational reasons for mitzvahs is because many times what's a rational reason in one generation uh, no longer is relevant in another generation. Uh, again, is not very relevant in our time. We don't see Avodah Zorah as it once was. So therefore, why are we building, you know? The early reform used to say that the uh, the loss of consciousness was because uh, the food was unhealthy. You could get uh, parasites, trichinosis, whatever. But now that we have uh, government control on food, so then there's no problem anymore. So the reason went away. If the reason went away, then the, the laws go away. And therefore, the other stream is that we do it because God told us to do it, and that's why we do it. And I don't know why we do it. I may try to give a rational reason to make me feel better about it, but that would be uh, arrogant in the extreme to think that that is the reason. We never know the reason for the mitzvah. We may ascribe reasons, 
It may satisfy us temporarily, but in the long range of civilization, uh, the, the rational ideas uh, sometimes uh, lose all sense of uh, truth and explanation. So therefore, uh, let's not advance reasons for it. So you have these two streams that exist until today. And it's Elu Elu Chaim. They're both right. There are people that need reasons. There are people that don't want reasons. A famous uh, anecdote that uh, Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik uh, had a question regarding a rabbinic decision that he had to make in Halacha. So he wrote to Rabbi Tzachonim Specter, who was the uh, Robin Kovner, and who was the leading posek at the time, and he presented the question to him. And he wrote to him in presenting the question, just please give me the answer, permissible or not permissible. If you try and explain it, no matter how you explain it, I will destroy the explanation. So, those are the streams that are involved here. So that, in effect, she and Korach are asking Moshe, do you need a string? What's the, we know whether you tell me what the purpose of the string is. I know what the purpose. They have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with God. I've got the whole garment of trailers. Do I need the string? In other words, the mitzvah is only a means to an end. I have the end anyway, so why should I even bother with the means? And the same thing, I have a, my, my house is full of books. I have a Torah in my house. I have everything. I need a mezuzah. Not necessary for me. So Moshe answered Korach, no, you know, you have to do the mitzvah. Even if you think that uh, you're going to do very well without the mitzvah, that doesn't free you from doing the mitzvah. And we see throughout the long run of Jewish history that all of those that gave rational explanations really fell short and that many times the uh, the uh, explanation no longer seemed valid and then the whole thing fell apart. We find that regarding Chazal too. I once had a discussion with Rabbi Yekim Kamenetsky. So we were talking about the second day of Yom Tov in the exile, not in Eretz Israel, in the exile. So the, the uh, more in Rosh Hashanah explains to us why we have a second day in exile. Because the messengers couldn't get there in time and they wouldn't know 
exactly, they knew that it had to be one of the two days, but they didn't know which one, so therefore they observed both. Now in our time, when we have a permanent calendar, and we know exactly what day Yontif comes, so why do we keep the second day? The Gemara says, meaning I was saying to be a day. The tradition of our forefathers remains with us. And, uh, oh, for the last... Over the centuries, there have been many groups in Israel that in the Jewish people that wanted to get rid of the second day. So in our time, reform, conservative, they don't have a second day. But uh, as has been noted by a greater people than I am, that those that don't have a second day eventually don't have a first day either. Somehow that's what happens. So this question of God, uh, that was raised to Moshe if it's a challenge to the mitzvah so then that leads to destruction second idea in Talis Shekula Tcheles why do you need the string because the Torah does not ask perfection for us Torah does not ask us to wear a talis shikula treilis. That's a hundred percent. The Torah asks us to observe the mitzvahs. Do what we can. Many times people overreach. So you can overreach in piety as well. Big Warren says, Arboa nichnesu lapardes. There were four great people that went to dealt in heavenly matters. Three out of the four came to a terrible end. One lost his faith. One became insane. One never had a family. Great people, however reached. So the Torah warns us about that. The Torah says maybe he won't have a house that's mullies for him. Maybe he won't know every Tesis and Shas. Maybe he won't have the ability to learn uh, on a regular basis. Maybe you don't have the capabilities. So I'm telling you what to do, the Torah says. You know, one string. Put a mezuzah on your door. And many times the uh, stress on perfection leads to uh, disaster. Well, you want perfection from our leaders. and no perfect people, so you... you, you 
You're asking to be disappointed. You want perfection in the family? You're asking for disappointment. You want perfection in the stock market? You're going to be a poor man. The allowance for the imperfections, that's one of the greatness of the Torah. I mean, you see that I... Uh, one of the great criticisms of Christianity is that it demands perfection. So therefore, it becomes almost irrelevant. Because uh, you know, people don't turn the other cheek. People, all of those things, you know. Too much. Too much ends up being too little as well. So that's another lesson here from Talis Shakula Tchelis. Just one uh, point about Tchelis, if I uh, want to add to you. I've spoken about it many times, but I think it's very important. Uh, for the best. Uh, 150, 170 years has been, for whatever reason, Tchelis disappeared from the Jewish world. From about the 5th century onwards, we no longer had Tchelis. Now, how do you have Tchelis, this blue string? The only way you have it is by dyeing the white wool to the color, to the blue color. Where do you get the dye? How do you manufacture the dye? So already in the time of the Talmud, there were fraudsters, fakers, that made fake dye because Tchelis was expensive and everybody wanted it. There was a market. So the Gemara tells us that there's a creature in the sea called the Chilazon. And this creature has a pouch at its neck, so to speak. And that pouch is full of liquid, blood. And you puncture that pouch, you take out that liquid, that liquid can be made into the dye that turns the wool into trailer. We lost the tradition as to what was that creature. And without that creature, you can never have trailing. So, uh, one of the interesting things, again, if you look in history a little, one of the interesting things is that in the... 19th century, there was an awakening within the Jewish people that somehow we're going to uh, come to a better era. It will take terrible things, but we're going to go back to the land of Israel. We're going to restore Torah. We're going to get out of the exile. Which is why uh, we're sitting here in Jerusalem now. 
one of the awakenings was let's have Tchelet again. And uh, so it was the great Rabzina Rebbe, and he, he was a genius. Actually, he was a kind of geniuses are controversial people because we don't like geniuses. They make us uncomfortable. They push the envelope. So, for instance, in the Seder of Taharos, which is uh, the sixth section of the Mishnah, there's almost no Gemara there. Except for Maseches Nido, there's almost no Gemara. But scattered throughout the rest of the Talmud are explanations of Mishnayas and Taharas. So what the Rebbe did, the Radzina Rebbe, is that he collected it all and he made a Gemara out of it. Not he made a Gemara, he made like a Rashi on one side and a Tesis on the other side. Called it Sidre Taharas, the work of tremendous genius. But it came to be controversial because people would say uh, the, the Gemara was real. It wasn't real, he put it together. So the second time he printed it, he printed it at the top of the page. This is not a Gomorrah on every page. But it didn't help. The controversy was on. So another controversial thing that he did is he spent 11 years of his life looking for this creature, the Chilazon, because he wanted to have Tchelet. And uh, he uh, came up uh, with the conclusion that the creature was a small squid, a small octopus that's found off the coast of Italy in the Mediterranean. And uh, he developed chelet from the blood of that creature. And till today, the Radzina Chassidim used that chelet. It's a deep blue. Uh, in uh, the early 1900s, uh, Rabbi Herzog, who later would be the chief rabbi in Israel, uh, wrote his doctoral thesis in Cambridge University on the Trelet. And originally he wanted to prove that the Radzina Rebbe was correct. However, as he got into it more and more, he realized that it was not that. Not only that, he realized that the uh, laboratory that was making the uh, Trelet die was fooling the Rebbe because they used prussic acid in the dye, and prussic acid will turn everything blue.
So Rabbi Herzog then took a guess. He said he thought that it was a snail called the Murex trunculus, which exists off the coast of Lebanon and northern Israel. And it has a shell. And you crack open the shell to get to the snail, and the snail has a pouch, and you take its blood out. Now, they didn't do anything practical about it. He just guessed at it. Fast forward to the 1980s. The Israeli army invades Lebanon in the Lebanese war. It goes all the way up to Beirut. On the way there, the Israeli army comes upon a cave. In the cave are like a million shells of a creature. Cracked, or shells cracked open. They call in on the archaeologists and everybody and the Rabbonim, and they all agree that this must have been a Taylor's factory. And that these shells are from the creature, the Chilazon. Took the DNA, and it turned out that Rabbi Herzog was right. That the DNA is that of the Murex trunculus. So they captured uh, some Murex trunculus snails, and they tried to make the dye. The only thing is, the blood of the Murex trunculus is yellow; it's not blue. So they stymied. But by uh, one of the great accidents that uh, happens, uh, the uh, laboratory left the collection of the yellow blood out in the open, and after 10, 15 minutes in the sunlight, it turned blue. And then it met all the requirements of the dye that were listed in the Gemara and Menachos. So that's the trellis that is marketed today. And that's the psil trellis. They're all, I don't want to get into the uh, uh, disagreement as to whether or not everyone should wear trellis or not. But uh, the revival of the mitzvah uh, again uh, heralded, so to speak, the revival of the Jewish people as well. So that's the psil tchelis that Korach said you don't need. The psil tchelis came out to be the symbol of the revival of the Jewish people. That's why our colors are blue and white. Tchelis the colors of Sitzit, in order to symbolize the fact that uh, Korach was wrong, and Moshe Emes Vitorosso Emes. So Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you for coming. And next week, God willing, everybody should be well.